morning. Hey, it is so good to be in his presence, isn't it? I feel like I say that often around here, and I really mean it. Like, just listening and experiencing our worship and a testimony and what God's doing. And now we have the chance to get into his word together. Uh, I am just so thankful for how the Lord is moving here at Pathway. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> we're going to be in John 14 today, and uh, you can turn there. Uh, we're looking at this idea of the way. Can you say that with me? The way. And as we get into this, uh, there's a number of elements. It's, it, it's a moment you need to understand what's happened leading into this. And, and so I'm going to just dive right in. John 14, Jesus is, is working and, and talking with his disciples. He's preparing them for his departure. He has uh, let them know that he's going to be betrayed. He's going to die. They haven't connected the dots yet, but they're troubled. I mean, you can imagine if, if they think their leader is going to be taken out, that it's a disturbing time. And, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what, what does this mean for us? What's next? And as we're rediscovering Jesus... This particular text today has so much to say. It, it's like a hinge point, if you will, of where Jesus is taking his people and is so vital for our understanding. I can't deliver it without his help. And my hope is that actually you hear some things today, maybe for the first time, that, that there's a fresh understanding of this word and, and what it has to say. So I'm going to pray us in. Then we're going to get into the word. Father, we uh, are so thankful that you are here and with us, whether we're online or in person. Uh, God, you are working and moving today. And we just invite you to, to speak loudly through your word today, that it would go forth to accomplish the purpose for which you're sending it. This is so important what we're talking about today, and I pray that your word would come alive whether we've even read or heard this text multiple times, that there would be something new and fresh that would lead us forward as we follow you. If somebody doesn't know you today, God, I pray that today would be the day, that your spirit would give birth to spirit, and they would connect the dots and know how much you love them and the great plan you have for them. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So in John 14, the first two verses, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? The word used there, troubled, means stirred or agitated. And, and you can imagine that they were troubled because they had heard some things were going to happen to their leader. And so they're troubled, they're stirred, they're agitated. And, you know, I'm going to bring this into this modern moment, right? Like how many of us are stirred or agitated or troubled with what's going on in our life or in the world? Eh, maybe a few of us, right? And, and here's the thing. What it says is, let not, let not, and believe also in me. And I, I just want to say that that there is this reality. It's a different message for a different time, but very briefly, we need to understand that Scripture talks about guarding our heart, that actually we have a responsibility to guard our heart, and that when we're falling into being stirred or agitated and having more anxiety or worries than what maybe is necessary, that we play a role in guarding our heart. Part of how we guard our heart is also placing our faith, as it says, to believe in the Lord, to believe in Jesus and the plans and what he has to believe that he is, in fact, the way. Now, sometimes our perspective is what the problem is. The perspective that we may have is limited and we're not seeing the fullness of what we're meant to see. Let me show you a quick video clip that illustrates. This is actually a clip from the world's number one selfie place in Brazil. Here you go. Check this out. These pictures I'm about to show you, not one of them is photoshopped. People are really hanging off of this cliff. And it blows my mind, too, because look at how she's holding on, like fingertips. And look at this guy by his feet. Like, it looks like he's about to die. This guy's hanging on with one arm, doesn't even care. Look at his face. Same with this guy. One arm, doesn't seem to care. Now, I've got one more picture to show you. Check this one out. Now, though those pictures were not Photoshopped, it was all about the angle of the camera. The people hanging off that cliff, 
we're not in any danger because that's the ground right beneath them. Okay? Don't believe everything you see online. You already knew that, hopefully. Uh, but, but here's the thing. There's a limited angle in view, and that's what the disciples had in this, this moment, and sometimes we have. And, and what God is trying to do is pull us back to see the bigger picture of who he is and what he has for us. In the text, in verse 2, it mentions the, the, the idea of rooms. You know, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It says that in uh, the end of verse 2. The word used there is a Greek word, mune, and it's used twice in the New Testament, only twice. It's used here and again in verse 23. And in verse 23, it's often translated as mansion in our modern English. But here's actually what it means. When we think of Jesus departing and preparing a place for us, a room for us, a lot of what was happening actually was this idea, the, the word means uh, abode or dwelling. And here's what I think Jesus was trying to get at and what we need to hear. We serve a God who loves us so wholeheartedly, so radically, so unconditionally, that he has stepped into our world to make a way that he could be present and abide and be with us. He's preparing that final destination in his return but the heart of this whole idea is that Jesus desires to be present with us, to abide with us. And we'll see that again in John 15 next week. So, so what does that look like? I mean, I mean, for them, they only knew that you go to the temple to worship. At that time, you, you, only, you, you would go to the temple to worship, and the temple was the place where heaven and earth would intersect, where God's presence was there. And what Jesus is getting at is, listen, I, I'm about to do, create a new way. I'm about to do something so different that it's going to cause you to be able to experience the intersection of heaven and earth in a new and a fresh way. And that is an exciting proposition, but also promise. You want to see more? All right, let's keep reading and, and see what is here for us. In verse 3 through 7, it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Now, this guy Thomas shows up, and many of you have heard of a doubting Thomas. This is where it comes from, right? Uh, we see him a couple times in the Gospels. Here's one moment. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you're taking notes, Jesus is the way and shows us the truth and the life. He says it very clearly in verse 6, and this offers us in many ways more than we probably realized about who Jesus is and what he has for us. You, you see, as he is laying this out, some of you are looking and you're like, is the caps lock on purpose? Is the word the cap, cap locked on purpose? By the way, if you're texting people and you cap locks everything, that's actually you shouting at them texting etiquette, if you didn't know that, right? We have multiple generations. When you capitalize or text something, it's like you're shouting. Did you know this? Some of you just had a breakthrough, okay? Now, I'm not cap-locking because I'm trying to shout this. I actually am intentionally cap-locking because it is not a way among many ways. It's the way. And we need to, to be bold enough to understand the truth of what J Jesus is saying. That, that yes, there is a world in people that say, well, there's many ways to God. If you back up for a minute and you understand what Jesus is saying, that can't be possible. There's a missing piece somewhere in there because Jesus is not saying that there's any other ways. He's saying he is the way. That is not a popular message until we understand the heart of the gospel, but that that way is available and open to everybody. And that, in fact, what Jesus did is he lived and led in such a way that the truth 
of our world was exposed by the light of who he was. So Jesus represents the fullness of truth. He also represents the fullness of life, life as it was meant to be. And it's this invitation that shows us not just, hey, look at him, he's the son of God, but it's, hey, look at the son of God who came in the flesh and showed us what life was meant to look like. Can I get an amen, church? I mean, this is not just him saying, hey, if you want to go to heaven someday, I'm the way. That's true. But it's also true that he says, I have come that you could live in the truth and live life as it was meant to be. Jesus is the way, and there is no other way. Now, with that, we have the idea of, of salvation, of this rescue that Jesus performs. And in our world, sometimes it's us trying to perform. In fact, Christianity, when it becomes more religion, is actually in many ways like perf performance or behavior modification. We can try to make ourselves better. We can try to work on things, but that's actually not how God designed us. Actually, God designed us that he would reach in and rescue us. Some of you feel like a hamster on a wheel. Anybody? Okay. A hamster running on a wheel continually looks ridiculous. And the only way that it gets off is it gets tired or it gets flung off. <laughs> or the master reaches in and rescues that hamster and moves it. And this is what Jesus is doing is telling us that he is the way to the Father. He wants to reach into our lives and into our world and rescue us from that idea of performance and always having to try to figure out what to do next, he wants to actually bring a different way of life. And that leads to the second part, that it's not just salvation, Jesus rescuing us, but it's sanctification, him setting us apart to live and be more like him. Now, we have the opportunity coming up to celebrate baptisms in a couple weeks. And uh, baptism is not the finish line, it's the starting line. It's actually a moment of decision that in the early church, it, it, basically what you would hear, especially in the book of Acts, is repent and be baptized. So it was like, okay, I've been rescued, I've received Jesus, I understand he's the way, and I'm not going to stay on a hamster wheel and try to clean myself up or prove that I, anything, I'm going to now be baptized, Jesus was baptized as an example for us, and he told us to be baptized. As we are baptized, as we go under the water, it's us saying our old life, our old way is dead, gone, and over, that we're surrendered to Jesus. As he went into the tomb for three days after his death on the cross, it's like us symbol symbolically and spiritually doing that as we go under the water. As we come up out of the water, it's his resurrection and his life, the truth of the gospel that we're declaring that we're ready to follow him all of our days. Church, this is really a high point in every church's life. And for individuals, it's an amazing moment. And so in a couple weeks, if you're ready or want to learn more about baptism, fill out the form today. If you just go to our website, slash baptism. We've got information. We'd love to let you know about it. We have one on a Saturday, weather permitting, at the ocean, and then the other on Sunday will be here in services. Baptism is an incredible opportunity to declare that I believe Jesus is the way. Now with that, the, the way to truth in life, this is getting into the fact that as we'll see, there's this life Jesus offers, and a lot of that is found in and through his presence in and through the presence of the Holy Spirit that he offers us. I want to read to you a quote by Marianne May Thompson. She says this, God is the Father who is the source of life. Jesus, the Son of the Father, confers God's life. But even more is God's life-giving word, embodied in the flesh for the life of the world. The Spirit of God is the power of life and the agency through which life is received. Do we believe that his spirit is greater than our flesh? Do we believe that it's his spirit that gives us life? Church, I hope we do. 
Because as we're going to see next, that's what he's offering us as a part of this way. Let's read on in verse 7. Sorry, verse 8. It says this, Peter said to him, well, that's John 13, 8. Let me get to 14, 8. Okay. Few of you are still here. The rest of you just missed that moment. Please come back. Please come back. All right, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Uh, Say, dwells in me. Jesus himself is saying that the Father is dwelling in him through the Spirit, And that the things he's doing on earth, the things that that are seen, the miracles, the deliverance, the life that he's living is being lived out through this working of the Father, the Spirit inside of him. It's so important for us to understand because that actually is what he says next is available to each believer as we follow the way. Let's read on. He says, do you believe that I am in the Father, verse 10, and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works, say greater works, greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you're taking notes, followers of the way, which to be clear, the way is Jesus. And and this is why they were called Christians actually in Acts 11.26. The first time uh, it was the church in Antioch that they actually, other people started saying, oh, they're the followers of the way. That's where we get the word Christian. And so we're followers of the way of Jesus. It says, uh, if you're taking notes, that we prayerfully walk into new possibilities because of his presence, his power, and his promise. So let's break this down for a minute because what, what Jesus is getting at is, listen, I'm going to put my spirit, what you see in me, I'm going to put in you. And as I put that in you, you actually now have my presence. That would have been earth-shattering and still should be today. That the God of the universe sends his Holy Spirit and places it inside of us, not because we're worthy, but because Jesus' death, blood, and resurrection makes us worthy when we receive him. Amen? So his presence in us then allows us to begin to get to know him. When it, when it says there in that passage, uh, praying in his name and I'll do anything, I can remember as a kid being taught like, to pray in Jesus' name. Anybody else remember this? Like We pray in Jesus' name, and that's absolutely true, and, I, and we need to pray in his name. There's power in that. But I can remember as a kid being like, uh, yeah, so uh, that BMX bike in Jesus' name, that bike should be mine. Right? In Jesus' name, I should be six foot three with a 40 inch vertical and be able to dunk. I, I can't do either of those. Okay? Anybody else like go through that phase? Some of you have a few gray hairs and you might still be in that phase. Right? You see, the reality is, he's not saying to ask necessarily for what we want and what our will is. For them, a name meant character. The name meant the character, the being, the will of that person. And when we actually begin to get to know and take on the way of Jesus and his character, we can pray with authority in his name because we're representing his heart and his will. Oftentimes, it's not our prayers that are lacking the direction and the power, it's not God's inability to answer prayer because of a lack of power or or lack of direction. It's us not being close enough 
to his heart and who he is, his character, means a whole lot more when we begin to understand that and then realize that there's a power that he is of making available to us. Now, it, it said there, uh, greater works, and I had you say that for a reason. I, I mean, think about this. Jesus is saying that you and I as believers will do greater works than he did. That's problematic in some ways. And when you dig into the nuance of the language, like, I, I, in many ways, we could say, oh, well, it's quantitative, right? It's, it's the fact that, that when Jesus distributes the Holy Spirit to believers, uh, Acts 1.8 says that you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you'll do this with my power. We could say, well, look at what happened. Jesus was in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Now the gospel is spread. That's the greater works. That would be true. But that's actually not entirely what the word he used in this moment meant. He actually uses a word that's not quantitative in its meaning. It's qualitative. Meaning Jesus is saying that some of the works that we will do will be greater in quality than the works that he did. And that right there, I'm going to just submit this to you. I'm still, as your pastor, wrestling with that. Is that okay? Like, if you ask me exactly what is my opinion, I'll give you my opinion in this moment in time. But I'm still wrestling with some of what that means. But here's where I'm at with that in this moment. You see, he's saying this just before his death and resurrection. He's saying this just before the good news of the gospel would take its final and fullest shape. And when I actually begin to think of, oh, he's saying this because greater works are the works we do in the name of Jesus that proclaim his death and resurrection to a world. And when he said it in John 14, 12, it hadn't happened yet. It was about to happen. So what does that mean? It, it means that if you want to do greater works, that you actually be somebody who as you follow Jesus, are proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus however and wherever and with whoever he places in your path. That actually the greater works are a little bit about what we heard today in the two chairs earlier. That some of us will do it with a microphone on, some of us will do it with a keyboard in our hands, but most of us will do it through a life that is following the way in our daily life and living, that how you show up in your neighborhood, how you show up in your workplace, how you show up bold enough to say, hey, I know this isn't popular, that many people think there's lots of different ways, but I, I'm talking as if I'm you right now, believe that there's the way. And here's what the way has done for me. Here's how Jesus' death and resurrection is changing and transforming me. And if we begin to live that way, not only will a church grow, but a community will be transformed. And church, that's the bigger goal. It doesn't matter how many people sit in a service on a Sunday or watch online. Hey. It doesn't matter if all we're doing is consuming and receiving Versus actually following and living this out. The greater works are to be had. The greater works are this amazing opportunity that is a part of the way that Jesus calls us to. But here's the thing. Sometimes I think we're just looking at God and going, meh, I don't know. Sounds good, but I don't know. I, I saw a uh, TikTok clip that I want to show you because as I watched it, I thought, oh my goodness, that's what many of us are doing to God on a regular basis. Check out what this animal is doing to the video surveillance in this clip. It's a short one. Anybody else just staring at God and going, mm -hmm. 
and the next meal and the next food and just dismissing what he's offering you? Oh, can I make that sound again? Somebody said, I think that's what I did. I mean, I, I think this is true, right? Like we tend to look at the way and go, huh, maybe tomorrow. Got anything else, God? Can you feed me something else? Can you, can you get me there a different way? And Jesus is just saying, hey, I've got this for you. And my presence is available. My power is present. Will you follow me and walk into it? That promise, again, is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And just to make this really practical, we need to be reminded, I think, on a regular basis that the Holy Spirit, when given to a believer, also comes with gifts. That the Holy Spirit has gifted each one of us. And that those gifts are empowered by Jesus to do these greater works. And if you don't know what your gifts are, we want to help you with that. Coming up next month, we have a spiritual gifts workshop. We do these at least three times a year. Why do we do that? Because we want you to understand how God has gifted you. Because when you walk in those gifts, not just at church, but out in the world, you are going to be empowered by the Spirit and make a greater difference where you're at. I fully believe that if followers of the way of Jesus would actually live out the way, his truth, his life, his presence, his power, and to do these things, we would be so in demand that churches would potentially become employment agencies. You think I'm kidding. Think about it. You're an employer looking for a good employee. Who do you call? Right? Maybe right now it's Indeed or some other job service. But what if, what if over time employers knew if you want a great employee, call a church? Because they've got people that are just different. And they're different in all the right ways. But if we're honest, that's not the case today, is it? You see, the way has implications. The way rescues us from the hamster wheel, but then says, here's the new path. Here's what I have for you. Here's what this could look like. Let's read on and look at the last bit. In verse 15 uh, through 21. And I'll just tell you, this, this particular set of verses has a, it has a deep meaning in my life. Uh, a little over, almost 20 years ago, I did my first message in front of uh, adults. And part of that message was this verse, verse 21 here. And it's always meant a lot to me. And, and I, I hope you see why. It, it says, starting in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Let a little while, and the world will see you no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live." In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments, verse 21, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you're taking notes, this last part here is the way is a loving obedience to Jesus and life in the Holy Spirit. That's what the way is. It's this loving obedience that once Jesus has rescued me, once Jesus has put me on his path, that I obey not because I should, but because I love him and he loves me and I can't help to want to obey. Now, if you're like me, a little over 20 years ago, I would read that verse and I'd say, okay, the way I prove my love to God is by obeying him. And while to some degree we see whether or not you really love God by your obedience, that's not the root, that's not the way it plays out in its fullest. You see, it's hard to obey when it's duty. Anybody? But when love is present, and parents, you can apply this to your kids, right? When love is present and we're connected to the heart, 
That's when obedience is even easier. And this is the offer that, that I think Jesus is making, is if you love me and you receive my love, you will naturally want to obey and do what I have for you and what I'm showing you. Uh, John Piper, uh, pastor and author, says this. He says, loving Jesus is not the same as keeping his commandments. It precedes and gives rise to keeping the commandments. Do you see the connection? It actually is, gives rise to it and helps us with it. Now, verse 19 through 21, if you're taking notes, and as we look at this, the way invites each of us into the inner circle and fills us with the Holy Spirit. That actually, have you ever been in a situation where you felt excluded? You felt left out, you felt marginalized, you felt like you weren't in the inner circle? Nobody else has felt that way? <clears throat> Jesus is the truth, <clears throat> all right? <clears throat> I mean, it's a reality that often we can feel that way. And yet what Jesus is saying is, listen, I'm inviting you into the inner circle. Just as Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a Trinitarian God, right? He's saying, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit and you're going to be filled with me. And that Spirit invites you into closer intimacy and relationship with God and with others. The word used here for the Holy Spirit is... Uh, Paracletos, and here's what it means. That's where we get the word paraclete. Some of you are more familiar with that for the Holy Spirit. Let me show you uh, a little bit of what this means. This word played out in Scripture means comforting. So the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, comforts us. It teaches us. It testifies on the behalf of Jesus. So think about this. The Spirit of God in you, when you don't know what to say to share your faith, will testify about Jesus. He'll give you the words. He'll help you. It, it convinces the world of sin and righteousness and judgment that comes later in John 16, that the Spirit actually illuminates and convicts the world, guides us, the disciples, into all truth and tells them about what is to come. This word, then, is so rich in its understanding that it could be translated comforter, teacher, advocate, counselor, helper, guide. When Jesus says, I'm filling you with the Spirit, he's telling us that his Spirit is going to fill us in all the ways we're going to need as we follow him. He is present and available and offers us this as we love and obey him. The very end there, it said, and I will manifest myself to him. That word manifest, to show, to make appear, and to place before. It's interesting that as you and I follow Jesus, that what he says is, as you love me and you obey me, I will manifest, I will show you more of me. So as we're in this series, Rediscovering Jesus, you better believe that, that, that as you understand who he is and his love, as you obey and follow him, that you're going to actually have more of Jesus and his Holy Spirit manifesting in your life. That he's going to show you more of who he is. More of what he has for you. And this is what it means to follow the way. If you think you've arrived and know everything there is about God today, or about Jesus, I don't care your age, you're wrong biblically. Ooh, pastor. Until Jesus returns, Paul said all of creation and the angels themselves are waiting to see the mysteries of God revealed. There are aspects of who Jesus is, his heart, his character, that are still yet to be revealed. And the invitation and the adventure of a lifetime is to embrace the way and to say, Jesus, as I love you and obey you, you're going to continue to teach me more about who you are and who I am and why I'm here on earth. And those greater works are ahead as you walk in that and as you follow him. So three questions to close here, these next steps. The first is, have you committed your life to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? 
Have you embraced that he is the one who rescues, but also says, I'm truth, and I have a life for you to live as you follow me? Secondly, are you walking prayerfully into the new possibilities? This is the thing. Jesus presents, as we follow the way, new possibilities, new opportunities. Are you walking in those and living out your potential and those greater works? Third, how would loving obedience fill your life with more of the Holy Spirit? And let me just sit on that one for just a second. What would it look like for you if you've a follower of Jesus, and you already are doing some works for Jesus, what would it look like for you to say, anything I've been fighting, anything I've been holding on to, anything I've been resisting, I'm going to surrender to Jesus because I know and want more of him. And he's saying the pathway, the way to get there is to lovingly obey him. So I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I can tell you, I could sit with you. We could have coffee if you want to. Hit me up. I'll sit down with you. I love coffee, and I love meeting with our people and talking. Because there are personal things over the last few months that God's like, hey, I love you. Do you love me? I do. Will you obey me on this? Will you trust me? And I'm telling you, I am getting to witness miracles in my own life in my own home, in the life of our church, not because I'm the one making it happen, but because I'm lovingly, hopefully obeying him, and he's showing up in new ways. And I believe he wants to show up in new ways in each of our lives. So we're going to actually receive communion today. Did you receive your elements as you came in? We do this at least once a month as followers of the way. If you don't have those communion elements, get your hand up and our ushers will come around. They would love to bring it to you. Communion actually symbolizes his body. As you take the cracker, the wafer, if you're at home and have a piece of bread, whatever you may have, this symbolizes Jesus' body. That as he went to the cross, and made the way for us. When we receive this, we're examining, we're repenting, we're refreshing our walk with Jesus, as we say and proclaim the death of Jesus. We also, as we receive the juice, Jesus said that, that this symbolized his blood, which is an atonement. It's a covering. It, it covers all of our sins. He washes over us. None of us are perfect. We're far from it. Amen. And so when we receive communion, we're stepping into his presence. Heaven is meeting earth. And God is hopefully in that moment, as you can sincerely profess your faith, refreshing and renewing you to follow his way. So we receive this today. I'm going to pray over it. And then the team is going to lead us in some worship. There is no rush to receive the elements. You're on your own, you and the Lord today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, start there. Come see one of our prayer partners at the altars. Come see one of our staff. We would love to pray with you to receive Jesus first and then for you to take what would be your first communion as a believer. But for all of us, as the Spirit leads, this is our response time to say, I, I want to lovingly obey whatever you have, Lord. I want you to reveal and, and manifest and show me more. And so as we receive the elements, we're also going to have a chance to praise and to worship him. And over the next few minutes, there may be a moment that's somber, that's you reflecting and repenting and saying, God, forgive me. But I believe there also is great rejoicing and celebration at his goodness and what he's done for us, amen? So I think that this is one of those moments if we really respond to the way that we're gonna go out of here filled up and changed, fired up to live for him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for these elements in front of us that as you said, you're the way, the truth, and the life. 
You gave us the sacrament of communion. That we would remember with the bread, the cracker, the, the fact that your body hung on a cross for our sins. As we receive the juice, we're reminded of your atoning blood, the covering once and for all, for all of our sins. We thank you that scripture teaches that you are faithful and just to forgive our sins when we come to you. So Father, I pray right now for first-time followers of you. That Lord, as we receive communion, maybe there would be some that said, I believed, but I haven't been following the way. I also pray that the loving obedience to you would reveal and manifest more of your Holy Spirit, more of the greater works that you have. So Father, may this time of communion and praise and worship just be marked and filled by you. We confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. As we receive communion, bless it and be with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The team is going to take us into a time of worship. You let him lead you. Whether you sit, stand, sing, kneel, come to the altar, this is our time to respond. Let's let him have his way.
To follow the way, you have to acknowledge that he is the way. We can read it, we can hear it. We have to decide that that's true, believe that that's true. And we believe it, Lord. We believe you are the way. Thank you, Jesus. Even when I don't feel it, you're working 
you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. whether you're online or in person for the first time, please let one of us know. Let our chat hosts know. Let us know. We would love to connect with you and follow up. If you're a visitor, as we get ready to go, right out those doors, we have a welcome center. We have a gift and would love to welcome you. I'm going to pray over us. And then if you want to stay in here and continue to respond, maybe you need prayer, we will be available. God is the way. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and the life. And as we follow him, he has greater works ahead. You better believe it. Your heart may have came in troubled, but I hope it's going out filled with hope and a belief in what God has for your life. Amen. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that you are the way. You are the way maker. And as we follow you, I pray that we would know you in new ways, that you would reveal more of yourself that your presence and power would be with us to do the greater works that you've called us to do. Father, thank you for each person represented online and in person today. May they love you and love all people in their pathway. Bless them and be with them, and may we be the church that you've called us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.